This is the 2009 Jack Straw Writers Program. Writer Kevin Simmons is interviewed by program curator Donna Miskolta. How does voice figure in poetry, or in your poetry in particular? For a very long time, I wrote, and I'm still writing, persona poems, writing from another perspective, not writing from the, the I voice. And I did that for many reasons. I do that for many reasons, but perspective and voice play an important part in my work because I'm trying to get at individual sensibilities and individual lives and what is the essence and the most unique thing about a person. So you mentioned you're from the South, from New Orleans. Yes. How does that background and sensibility figure into your work as a poet? Gosh, I'm still figuring that out. I think Southerners tend to be a little bit more deliberate, a little slower in every utterance. And I think that my work, my music, and my poetry are very deliberate and lyrical and melancholy. And when I think of New Orleans, when I think of growing up, I think of things being very melancholy, very veiled, very deliberate. People who listen to my music or listen to my poetry, people who know New Orleans, they say, ah, you are from New Orleans. You have that sensibility. And I say, what sensibility? (laughs) Please tell me who I am, because I'm still trying to figure it out. Now you'll hear Kevin's live reading at Jack Straw Productions. I'm going to begin with some poems about me so you can get to know me a little bit. Upon hearing Leontine Price on the United Negro College Fund commercial, the famous African-American opera singer. Between ages eight and 10, I ignored the boys who called me sissy, sang loudly in an operatic voice all the commercials, the theme from Good Times, Donna Summer too. But my spine lengthened the night I heard you open the black fan of your voice on prime time. Turban goddess on my zenith, the way God struck the anvil of your soprano when you rang. We're not asking for a handout, just a hand. Allergic reaction. I'm from New Orleans and I'm allergic to shellfish. (laughs) It does suck. But sometimes if I have to have it, I'll deal with the consequences, which means my lips are about that big and it's horrible. Allergic reaction. So there's shrimp in this dip? Ground shrimp? Undetectable shrimpy bits? Tiny, tiny sequins on an evening gown of a dip? Designer dip? Divine. Excuse me. Other sea is spread. The buffet of dreams scalloped and wrung out. The garden rising to meet them. I'm looking out for landmines, all those breath-taking morsels. The shrapnel takes 10 minutes to appear, just on the heels of my insides going toxic, bubbling into exclamation points, prickling the crawl space inside my lungs. At the end of this dreadful metaphor is another. Pills in my glove box, red as the fruit Eve was unfortunately able to eat. (laughs) 
though I have many fond memories of New Orleans, quite possibly the most enriching and uh, powerful memory is accompanying my aunt to, to try to salvage things from our house after Katrina. And my aunt Trina passed away of pancreatic cancer a few months ago, so this is in her memory after Katrina. There's no Sabbath in this house, just work. The black of garbage bags, yellow cinched throats opening to gloved hands. Black tombs along the road now, proof she knew to cherish the passing things. Even those muted before the water came, before the mold's grotesquerie and the wooden house choked on bones. My aunt wades through the wreckage, failing no matter how hard she tries at letting go. I look on glad at her failing, her slow rites, fingering what she'd once been given to care for. The waistbands of her husband's briefs, elastic as memory. The blank stare of rotted drawers, their irises of folded linen still, smelling of soap and wood and clean hands. Daylight through these silent windows, and I'm sure now, today is Sabbath. The work we do, prayer. I know what she releases into the garbage bags, <clears throat> shiny like wet skins of seals, beached on the shore of this house. So these are the, some of the poems that I've written for this program. They're based on Edward R. Murrow's seminal radio program, This I Believe. And that program, which still exists today, features first-person essays of ordinary Americans and some famous folks. The first poem is from Aunt Jemima. <laughs> my mama put a scarf around my head when I was a child. I can't hardly remember my head without it. It don't even come off no more. I dream of combs, of a man undoing the knot, taking me away somewhere. I comfort. Sticky, sweet maple flow of bosom they've been sucking since 1889. <laughs> Uncle Ben know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we comfort. Flat worlds stack one on top the other. I holds them together. Never mind that update they say they did 20 years ago when they replaced my scarf and gave me pearls and a lace collar. That ain't me. They done hid me in plain sight. You don't have to look hard. Tell me something sweet something that'll stick and undo all the knots I've known. The next one is uh, Bayard Rustin, who was a force behind the civil rights movement. He organized the Civil Rights uh, March on Washington, and he was kept in the background because he was homosexual. The movement. That's what I work for. This March on Washington for jobs and freedom, it's going to make an impact. I served 60 days in Pasadena for sex perversion. There's a hush around that. People in and outside of the movement have threatened to make a story out of me. Right now, there are more necessary stories for all of us. The rights I don't have because I'm a Negro certainly come before those I yearn for as a homosexual. Homosexual, such an antiseptic sound to it. But I rather that to other names Names I'm called between sucked teeth. There's no time to be disgusted with me. 
everyone must be disgusted with rights willfully and criminally delayed. Eartha Kitt. I was born Eartha May in a state with South in its name, the one where there was cotton to run from. But I was luckier than most. When I was eight, my mother sent me to New York to live with my aunt. No one would take her in with a half-white child. I'll spare you the chronology, but I know the distance between dirt and diamonds. Darling, I've traveled it. I purr in 10 languages, growl in every one known to man, but I'm infamous for that. Yes, Lady Bird Johnson asked what I thought of the war, and I told her, in the White House. I told her. I guess she thought it was her house and that I would be polite. It's not her house. It's the people's house. Of course, I was blacklisted, but Europe took me into her bosom, as she's done for black artists over the century. Paul Robeson, Catherine Dunham, Josephine Baker, Sidney Pachet, Oliver Harrington, Eartha Kitt. Thank you. This podcast was produced by Jack Straw Productions as part of the Jack Straw Writers Program. The 2009 curator of this program is Donna Miskolta. Music performed by the Black Cat Orchestra and recorded as part of the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. Producer is Jenny Cecil Moore. Recording engineers are Mo Preventure, Tom Stiles, and CJ Lazenby. Narrator is Amy Broomhall. And executive director of Jack Straw Productions is Joan Rabinowitz. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, Poncho, the Mayor's Office of Arts and Cultural Affairs, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening. <laughs>